I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Cross Body of Work. I am Evan. I am Javier. And it's our first social distance recording. Well, it's the first one since social distancing orders went into place, but we've been social distancing since the beginning. Yeah, we have been social distancing since the beginning. We've been doing it right. We've been washing our hands for at least 20 seconds. We haven't been going outside. And quite frankly, I don't know what to do with myself. So here we are recording an episode. So this is the the first real post-pandemic start episode, post-NBA cancellation, post-sports cancellation for us. Uh, Javier, you're a big sports guy. How have you been passing the time? Um, I, I, uh, I'm okay. Um, <laughs> actually, I'm lying. I'm quite devastated. Um, you know, <laughs> so, all right, quick little tangent here. I went to the Atlantic 10 tournament in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, because I covered my school as a men's basketball team and they were playing in that. So we drove, we woke up at, I woke up at 5.30 in the morning. Um, we left at 6, we get there, uh, we, we spend an hour lazing around in good old Brooklyn, New York because our time, our parking time hadn't come and it, it cost more to park early. So we just, yeah, um, we get to the arena, everything's wild. We figured like, There was already going to be played with no crowd or anything. Um, And UMass, which is the school I go to, was the first game, which was at noon. Um, So we we get there. uh, We're sitting courtside. I'm, like, enjoying the luxury of having my first real uh, media experience. Your first first big tournament, right? Yeah, it's my first real thing. Um, And, like, it it was really cool. A really cool experience. They gave me a free umbrella which was dope. Um, <laughs> and like, yeah, uh, literally like both teams went, came out for shooting rounds. Um, and they did the whole thing. And then literally right as the uh, timer expired and we were about to like get into the part of the game where they announced the lineups and all that stuff. Um, the, the SID for UMass, who's like the media relations person uh, pulls the head coach, gets him on the phone um, and as the coach is on the phone, he likes walks onto the court, starts pulling his assistants, like calling them towards him, starts calling players off the courts. And, and that was the point where we realized that the tournament was canceled. Um, there was a whole press conference afterwards. We did all this stuff. But yeah, uh, pretty quickly it came out that all college sports were canceled. Everything was done. The NBA had already been suspended at this point. Um, everything pretty much had already been suspended at this point. But, like, I just really wanted at least that one game, and I didn't get it. And now my college life is over. Um, 
I'm done covering sports until I can find a job, which who knows when that's going to be because like somebody hire this man. Once sports exist again, hire sports this are done. Man. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, someone, someone hire me, uh, preferably with a good job covering at least college. Um, and yeah, that's, that's all I care about at this point. It's just, no it's sports been a, has been super weird. It's been terrible. Um, I, I got sick. I got strep throat last week. It is strep throat. It is not the C word. We are not even going to say it no. for fear of being demonetized. Correct. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's been very scary, um, to say the least, especially with my mother, who is very protective and very scared that I do have the uh, thing, but I do not. It, it, it's okay. I'm recovered now, mostly. You can kind of hear my voices a bit nasally, but that's where I've been, Evan. How, how's everything with you? Because I know you're uh, you've been impacted pretty heavily too. So my job has been changed a little bit in terms of the work I do. Uh, no sports has been strange. Uh, all of the news I write the the wrestling roundup for Full Press Coverage Wrestling uh, every morning at seven thirty Monday to Saturday, and all of the news for the last two weeks have just been about cancellations or what's happening with wrestlemania and the switch to two nights and the fact that it's going to be pre-taped all of these different things uh by the time you hear this it will have already been taped according to you know pw insider but uh so that's changed kind of my day-to-day what we actually see you know i'm not going outside a lot uh the biggest thing that's happened has nothing to do with you know the the current pandemic one of the biggest things that's happened to me is i've lost my personal Twitter account. Somehow, my account got reported. I don't know what for. Uh, the last thing that I retweeted was a friend of mine saying, Sorry, I'm late. I was performing Miley Cyrus's The Climb in my car, and I couldn't stop until I reached the end. And now I got reported? I don't understand. But uh, the way that Twitter works, if you get reported, is you can ask for you know verification codes. And I guess my personal account, I made when I was... A second or third year in university and I have never changed the phone number since then I reached out to my old phone number via text hoping that somebody would respond to maybe give me the Twitter code nobody has I don't think anybody has the number anymore so currently without a personal Twitter account looking for ideas and suggestions for names because as I've said a couple times Evan Gomes without the underscore is taken by a dude who never tweets so I can't have that so if anyone's got any creative Twitter suggestions, let me know. But, uh, you know, still still running the crossbody of work pod uh, Twitter. And Twitter has become a huge part of my life now that, you know, I don't really go outside. <laughs> don't really yeah. go out and do anything. Yeah, this is uh, uh, very clearly there. There's I just want to say it. There's no respect for Miley Cyrus, Hannah Montana, a true queen. Because if this is the reason why you were suspended and removed oh, from be Twitter, disastrous. I don't want to. I don't want to. I need the algorithm fixed. I want Jack to to edit this. I need him to correct it personally, because this is ridiculous. Re- absolutely blasphemous. But aside from that, you know, it's been a lot of watching old wrestling, uh, a lot of. Uh, Insta- switching between Instagram and Twitter all the time on my phone, and just bouncing between those two apps. But uh, 
you know, it, it's affecting everybody, and I hope everybody stays safe. Uh, if you are listening to this, you know, while practicing social distancing, that's great. Uh, we we hope you continue to to tune in. We're looking at doing some some bonus episodes maybe in the near future, uh, since both of us have a little bit more time. A little bit, I'd say, yeah. I'd say a little more time. So we're hoping to give you guys some more things to listen to. So uh, keep tuned for that. But uh, we should probably get into the episode. Yeah, I would say so. This is, what, what are we, something like seven and a half minutes in? I'd say we're at the perfect time to start what's I mean, going on here. if we're seven minutes in to episode seven, yes, Javier, who are we talking about today? We are talking about the son of the son of a plumber, but not the one you're thinking of. No, we are talking about Dustin Rhodes. The one without the neck tattoo. As far as we know. As that far is. as we can tell, yeah. Um, but no, we're going to talk about Dustin Rhodes. And so why is it kind of good timing, good planning by us that Dustin Rhodes is who we talk about at number seven, Javier? Why, is, why does that matter? Uh, because I'm not sure if you guys knew this or not, uh, but but Dustin was, was gold dust uh, with the WWE. Probably but, his most famous iteration is gold dust. Yes, but, but at one point after the fact... Um, he had this character uh, named Seven, um, and Seven—he uh, was a lot like Goldust, but just very creepy and stalked children uh, and stared at them through their windows. Um, yes, literal children, not not figurative ones. <laughs> it was very weird. It's very um, weird. And, Evan, I'm just going to let you go from here because, quite frankly, I don't really know how to follow that one up. Seven was one of his gimmicks in his return to WCW, and it was very strange. There are a lot of things that we're not going to be able to cover in Dustin Rhodes' career because he's got he's been doing it for so long. He debuted in WCW in 1988. And, fun fact, he's also the first wrestler recovering who's still going who's still doing it right now. DDP did have a match recently, and Trish only had a retirement match in uh, 2019, but Dustin is is going to be uh, you know on AEW every week. So yeah. he's the first one we're covering who, who's still adding to his body of work, but uh, we're going to get into covering Dustin's career. And the way that it works, if you've never joined us before, uh, we cover five matches from a wrestler's career. We, we review them. We try to pick them from... Near the beginning, all the way through to the end of their career, talk about things we liked, things we didn't, interesting things we, we spotted. Uh, I have a tendency to find things in the crowd because I get distracted easily. We talk about the whole career of the wrestler and yeah, kind of break down their value, kind of their uh, contribution to the game, if you might say. So we're going to look at Dustin Rhodes, someone who's had a huge impact on wrestling and who's been a stalwart for a really long time, consistent work, and one of the most consistent workers, I'd say, uh, you could find in wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and a guy who's really reinvented himself a lot. We hear that a lot. Um, you know, guys like Jericho, guys like Matt Hardy, you know, guys, guys who have pretty much made a career of being different. Uh, Dustin Rhodes is another one of those guys. He, he's gone through a lot of different character changes. Uh, some good, some not good at all. But that's, you know, that that's just the way it goes. Um, and and for a guy who was never really in the main event spotlight, um, he, he's one of those people who's very well known. He he's transcends a lot of different generations of wrestling. Um, he's obviously wrestling royalty. 
Um, and you know, he, he's, he's got talent. He's very good at every aspect of wrestling. And while, yeah, he was never really a top draw or a top guy. Um, he was always one of those people who was very entertaining in the mid card who, regardless of where he was on the card, he was going to entertain you. Um, and, and I think that's really what's going to be remembered from Dustin Rhodes when he finally, uh, hangs up the boots. But like we see him now, he he's not the same guy now that he was ten years ago. He's not the same guy. He wasn't the same guy ten years ago that he was ten years before that. Um, so you know, it, it's really cool to see Gold Dust progress in his career. Um, and, and yeah, I'm really excited to get into this episode. Dustin Rhodes has such commitment to his character. Yeah, the characters aren't necessarily always going to land. Uh, we're not going to talk about Seven in WCW. We're not going to talk about Black Rain in TNA. Uh, we're going to miss out on a couple other things like all of his TNA work, uh, as well as his team with Booker T in WWF. We're not going to talk about that. Uh, all great things, but all very different iterations of this man, Dustin Rhodes, but also of this character, Goldust, being his, his most iconic character for sure. Uh, with that, I think we can crack into the first match, and it is quite the match. WCW Wrestle War of 1992, and we've got ourselves War Games to quote the match beyond Billy Regal. Yes, the match beyond. Yes, uh, and it is Dustin Rhodes is a part of Sting's squadron, which is Sting, Dustin Rhodes, Ricky Steamboat, Nikita Koloff, and Barry Windham against the Dangerous Alliance. Steve Austin, Rick Rude, Arn Anderson, Bobby Eaton, and Larry Zbysko. It's a five-star match, baby. We're starting out with a with a, a certified five-star banger. What were your thoughts overall on the match, Javier? The first thing that got me here that that is a trend that we'll get like it kind of in this episode is that Dustin Rhodes has been in some really high-profile spots. He has been in he... some real good matches. And he kind of sticks out like a sore thumb, yeah, but, like, good for you, man. I mean, he was in a match with all these legends of the business. Like, this was a big, obviously, everyone uh, who who knows pretty much anything about the early ages of, early days of uh, modern, in air quotes, wrestling, uh, knows about this match. I mean, Sting Squadron versus the Dangerous Alliance is is one of those matches, obviously, you mentioned the five-star uh, to that it's got, but but it's a lot more than that. Um, it, it's just a famous match. It's a classic match. It's a match that I'd seen before. It's a match that probably a lot of wrestling fans have at least heard of, if not seen before. Um, and for him to be a part of this is is not only big for uh, his legacy and his career, but also for where he was in the moment. Like, yeah, he was Dusty's kid, but he was also a big star. And for him to be on the babyface side of this was really really cool to see. He'd only debuted in WCW 1988, so he's been around for a little bit. Uh, this is him in his natural gimmick, so he was the natural Dustin Rhodes. Uh, I don't think they were really shying away from the fact that he was Dusty's son. Uh, very much a lot of Dusty influence on Dustin's character. Uh, uses a lot of the moves. He looks a lot like him. He looks like a lot more like a, like a trimmed, a little bit more jacked version of Dusty. A little bit taller, even. Um... But they really didn't shy away from, you know, where Dustin Rhodes came from. But yeah, I'd say, you know, you said he sticks out like a sore thumb a little bit. I would say that even if you asked any of those other guys to win this match, they'd be like, oh yeah, and Dustin's just up there with us. Like if you look at his longevity in the business and his ability to continually put on good matches, I'd say they probably 
they'd probably say that he's right up there with them. Yeah, I'm just more referring to the fact that he's, you know, in the same boat as a Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, as a Sting, who's the world champion at this point, you know, as a Nikita Koloff. These are like top, top guys ever, you know, and and for him to be there, uh, to me at least, sort of stood out like a sore thumb. But I I guess it, it stands out more in the match that we'll get to down the line here. Um, but this match was really cool. Um, I haven't really gone back to see a lot of the old war game matches. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's definitely been like years since I've seen this. I mean, this is probably like in my early days of having the WWE network and probably like 15 or 16. Um, and yeah, no, it, it's been a long time and I forgot how low, uh, the roof of the cage was. I mean, it's so low. Yeah. It's probably like eight ten feet at at most yeah if guys look like they're they're gonna hit it on every move yeah like uh when, when you get to there's no standing on the top rope here uh no if you stand on the top rope you're hitting it you know if you stand on the middle rope you'll probably hit it um but like yeah it, it was really cool um and and my favorite part of the match was this one part i forget who sting had up uh but he was just sort of like pressing him up against the roof it was rick rude he just kept military pressing rick rude into the top of the cage and it looked awesome yeah this match was really it was just so cool Um, for a very long match it goes by very quickly yeah it it kind of i don't know to me it didn't feel like that long of a match um it, it goes by quick mostly because it's it's a war games match like you know there's gonna be a countdown i was really thrown off by the fact that they gave a full minute countdown um I, I, that that threw me off um it, it was just i don't know it was, it was refreshing like you have paul Heyman out on the outside i'm sorry paulie dangerously yes uh you had medusa you had like a lot of these people just sitting outside uh the match starts off with steve austin and barry windham like those two guys went at it uh rick rude i think comes in second uh, so so the heels get the advantage because the heels always get the man advantage. The heels always have to get the man advantage. It makes for a much more, it makes for an easier structure for the match, right? It just makes more sense for the heels to have the advantage and the baby faces to be fighting from underneath. And then whoever that last baby face is who gets to come in, gets to come in like a house on fire. Yeah. And, you know, in, in this match, I believe it was Nikita Koloff. Yes. That, that distinct I believe honor. so. Nikita Koloff came in and he he ran rough shot on everybody. Yeah. Um, my thing is I love like this kind of era of wrestling because it's it's where it starts to get a little bit more athletic, but mm-hmm. still has a lot of that old school style as far as selling, as far as like the way punches are thrown, the moves that are used, and I kind of like that because it, it's sort of. Like the a lot of the like British strong style or, or Japanese strong style you see now, but it's it's yeah. obviously worked, but it just looks exaggerated and it looks really cool. Um, and, and I liked a lot of the visual elements of this match, um, especially at one point. I think it's Larry Zabisco is getting like hounded with uh, punches, and he's just like acting like he's having a seizure, and it was so <laughs> awesome. And I love Larry Zbysko, by the way. I can't wait to do an episode on Larry Zbysko somewhere all the way down the line. But, like, it's just so cool to see these guys. Because, like, everyone was so in tune with their selling. And there's Mm -hmm. ten good workers in this match. The commentary is on fire with Jesse the Body Ventura and uh, Jim Ross. And everything about this match just worked for me. 
there was a lot of good work in the little bits that make this match stand out to me. Things like Paul E on the outside before the match starts having like a like an actual huddle in the game plan and they're they're drawing things up and he's like okay we're gonna have this person going next and this person and this person and this is the whole plan and i love when managers actually are showing their value to who they're out there with instead of just clapping and the original head coach yeah they're actually coaching they're actually giving them some advice um talking a little bit more about dustin since you know this episode is about dustin Rhodes, when he enters a lot of moves like Dusty, he does an elbow, uh, does an atomic drop, a lot of Dusty-type energy. But Dustin is 23 years old in this match. And as much as, yeah, in terms of the legacy, maybe he is a little out of place, but really holding his own in terms of the same quality of selling, the same quality of uh, athleticism. I think he brings a lot of athleticism to the match. Um, a lot of athleticism you don't really see in his kind of gold dust years. You know that he's a good worker and he's got some good moves, but he was never expected to to be an athletic specimen then. Here, the natural gimmick, you got to be a little bit more of a showman, right? You got to have those yeah. those explosive moves. And he was really good, uh, especially when he first entered the match. Yeah, um and he I thought the thing that really stood out to me uh in that portion was um he got the crowd behind him. You know, you expect the natural gimmick uh, he, he's a white meat baby face. He's the son of Dusty Rhodes. You know, it very much like if this gimmick happened now, like the guy's Roman Reigns, like he's getting booed out of arenas. He's getting, he's Rocky Maivia when Rocky yeah. started. He's, yeah. he's getting turned heel almost immediately, but it worked with this crowd, you know, like Dusty's such a beloved baby face that it, yeah, a lot of it rubbed onto Dustin, but Dustin also like knows how to work the crowd you know it's very clear that he grew up with the business that he just has this ability uh to not only connect with people but to entertain and yeah yeah like he's got the white meat baby face gimmick going but he really works it and he really like in a match like this especially it's kind of what they needed um you know they just needed a little bit of youth and and uh like a shot of energy and really that's what dustin was especially when he when he first came into the ring um, and, and when you look at who he's with, you know, you got guys like Sting, guys like Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, guys like uh, Barry Windham. Like, these are white meat baby faces. So he very much fits in with the crowd, and, and it really just works. And, and I thought Dustin, especially when he first came into the, the match and he starts, you know, doing his dusty stuff, and then he hits his bulldog, which was his finisher at yeah. the time. You know, it, you, you just get to see a lot of cool moves. And it's a side of Dustin that you don't really see much. Um, you know, because unless you really go and dig deep into the WCW stuff, that that's the only time you see that stuff. You know, after he gets to the WWE and he becomes Goldust, his career really becomes about his character more than his work. So yeah. when you get to see the work done here, it, it's just kind of a, a a breath of fresh air, and I really did enjoy it. We've talked a little bit about the baby faces. I want to go a little bit about the Dangerous Alliance, just because how cool are the dangerous alliance when they come out they look amazing they remind me of the undisputed era not in terms of their like obviously the undisputed era the way they talk is a lot different because it's 2020 in comparison to 1992 but that same level of like we are the best we know it we don't have to prove anything to you people and you look at it and you just see this array of just talented 
jacked, good-looking guys, and you're like, oh, they're going to come take what they want. And what a what a crew. Steve Austin with hair. Anytime yeah. you get to see a Steve Austin with hair match, you're going to get a good worker. Stunning not Steve, that Steve was... O- not that Steve Austin without hair was a bad worker, but Steve yeah. Austin with hair was like a top-notch ring guy. Yeah, put him in the Tokyo Dome and let him work. There you go. Uh, you know, Stunning Steve was fantastic. I still can't believe that... You know, hit him with the dangerous lying, him with, uh, dangerous alliance, him with the with the Hollywood blondes with Brian Pillman. I, I just don't know how WCW really managed to not make this guy a top star because he just had it. He did. You see it in this match. He has it. Um, it, it it's baffling to me. Vince pulled a fast one and managed to turn him into the biggest star in the history of professional wrestling. But like. This this match just really highlighted how much good talent was in WCW and also in the Dangerous Alliance at the time. I mean, Medusa was fantastic. She got such a reaction from just climbing the cage and dropping was, a cell phone down. Like, I was so surprised to see anyone on top of the cage. You yeah. think a lot about how you know these matches evolve. How you look at the at like the first matches and compares them to the War Games matches we're getting right now. How different they look. The second someone started climbing the cage, I was like, in 1992, someone's about to go climb on the cage? And yeah, she doesn't necessarily have anything really happen. She just drops the phone in uh, to use the weapon, which is Sting great. Sting runs up and like meets her. Scares which her scared off. scared me even more. Because it was like, you could see how far down the, the fence was starting to dent in when Sting was standing up there. Because Sting's oh, a big boy. Oh, it had a boy. lot of give. Yeah. Yeah, Sting, uh, mind you guys, Sting is all of 6'3", probably 6'4", and he's jacked. You know, that that guy weighs all of probably 220, 230, 240, somewhere around there. So for that fence to be holding up that much, it, it's scary. It really was. Sting is six, billed as 6'2", 250. Oh, jeez. big boy. And he was he was just pure muscle at this point, um, and, and yeah, it, it was it was scary to to sort of see that happening. And I was just like, all right, everyone, get out the way, Sting, get off the top. Like I'm 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 starting to get scared here, uh, which really like sort of builds into the match, kind of like it, it's a dangerous environment, not only in in the storyline and, and you know, but like in in like actuality, like that's a dangerous environment like yeah it's it's like a really rickety cage you know yeah it's not it's not the most well constructed this isn't an elimination chamber yeah it it isn't um and and i thought that the use of the cage was great i mean who didn't get their face rubbed onto the side of the fence like everyone did i'm pretty sure at one point austin got it the worst he was getting drilled into that thing there were so many people bleeding in this match Dustin Rhodes has the same thing his dad does and the same thing that like Steve Carino Flair. had and Ric Flair had, which is that perfect blonde hair that when blood goes in just soaks red immediately. Yeah. Um, which, you know, adds to you know, gives you a couple of badass points. Being it, it able to definitely like that. You wanna talk about the finish? Um yeah, so the finish came uh when my boilers alright, so they like destroyed i believe it was the middle maybe it was a top turn buckle somewhere something like that uh zabisco gets like a little like piping that they use to to get the rope uh onto there um and i believe it is uh bobby eaton bobby eaton who's who's holding um sting i think it is uh and then zabisco tries to use the pipe to hit sting 
But Sting moves out of the way, so he gets eaten on the arm. Um, and, and, you know, Sting gets Zabisco. He, you know, he just hits him, puts him out of commission, immediately charges Eaton and puts him in, like, a weird arm bar. But, like, the kind of arm bar you kind of see, like, uh, uh, who's that guy from the Grizz- Grizzled Young uh, veteran? Zach Gibson? Yep. Yeah, he puts him in that kind of armbar type situation, and you know it, it lasts all of like fifteen seconds before Eaton's just tapping out, and the match is over. Um, everyone confronts Zabisco afterward, especially uh, Heyman, who who's like, "What's happening? What's happening? <laughs> what happened?" Um, and, and you know you get a hey, um, but yeah, you know you get it's a lot of confusion, a lot of. It was a weird finish to say the least. Um, but but the baby faces come out on top. What a match, honestly. I, I really enjoyed this one. I, I had a lot of fun watching this. Uh, I think it was more I had a lot of fun in the same way that you have a lot of fun watching old Royal Rumbles, where it's like, yeah. look at the stars. Look at all the star power. I think this is a better match than a lot of old Royal Rumbles, but still just seeing the amount of like legends in one match was great. And I think Dustin Rhodes, you know, did his part. Quality match. Yeah, he definitely did his part. Uh, I, I genuinely, I, I really, like, I can't sing the praises of this match enough. Like, you guys really need to watch this one um, it, over any of the matches that we're going to give here. But this one sp- especially, you know, Dustin really held up his, his end of the work. Uh, there's just so much good storytelling, so much good character work, and just so much good wrestling. Like, I love this match. Um, if you haven't already, give it a watch. You're not going to be disappointed. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Moving on to match number two, it is the second match for Dustin Rhodes in WCW, and it is a bunkhouse brawl, Spring Stampede 1994 against Bunkhouse Buck, great name. Uh, what were your thoughts on the match? I was really confused um, by this. I'd never heard of this match. I'd never seen this match. I had no idea what I was expecting from this match. Uh, so just a little... Uh, breaking of kayfabe here you know we have a a master sheet where evan uh mostly evan puts out the links for me to go watch the matches um after i see the dangerous alliance versus uh sting squadron match which i was really excited to watch uh i see versus bunkhouse buck 1994 spring stampede and i was like but i also see the word bonus next to it so i'm like oh this is probably just a bonus match Nope. This was the nope. real, this was a real thing that I had to go in and watch. 
it was interesting. I never heard of this before. I don't know who Bunkhouse Buck is. I, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of background on Bunkhouse Buck because I, I knew I knew this was going to happen. Uh, so Colonel Parker, who is the manager of Bunkhouse Buck, uh, had issues with Dustin Rhodes for most of 1994. This was Rhodes' major feud for pretty much all of 1994. And Bunkhouse Buck was literally brought in as a client just to face Rhodes specifically in a bunkhouse match. So the name, the, the match is named after the man. The man is not named after the match. Uh, it's not like, you know, it'd be like if they call the Hell in a Cell like Undertaker's prison match or something, <laughs> right? Um, or, or, you know, maybe Great Khali and his Punjabi prison match. There we which go. Which is an underrated match type, by the way. Uh, uh... So, but no, it's not. Uh, Buck was an indie wrestler who worked at a Continental Championship Wrestling uh, and... The bonus, so this is the bonus clip that I added on, is that his real name is Fuller. Uh, in 2010, the guy who was Bunkhouse Buck appeared on an episode of SmackDown, I believe, as Jack Swagger's dad. <laughs> That's the bonus fact for you. Which so I watched. I have, I have really nothing else in terms of how he was as a wrestler, but he, he was on SmackDown in 2010. We'll link to that. Uh, on our social media, but weird, weird guy, weird match, but it's one that I've heard so many times in like anthologies or hearing about WCW, like that middle period of WCW in the mid nineties. This is a match that always came up for me. So I wanted to check it out. Did you like the match? I thought it was, um, entertaining. I, I don't think it was a good match. Um, as far as, you know, the quality of work. It's not going to the Tokyo Dome, brother. Uh, but it's it was entertaining enough. Um, I, I thought the colonel was a bit annoying, which was exactly the role that he needed to play, so good on him. Yeah. Um, I thought Bunkhouse Buck was kind of in over his head as far as, like, I don't think he was ready for WCW. But, this is the know. opposite of the last match where in the last match Dustin was in there with a lot of like seasoned vets who knew everything and were able to do it whereas in this you know just 2 years later Dustin is the one expected to really carry the whole match. Like he's the one who's who's really leading the charge here in the singles match. Yeah, and, and the match starts off with Dustin really in control um before yeah. the the bunkhouse rules start really kicking into effect and bunkhouse buck was kind of able to weasel his way up by using what was it like the leather strap and all that jazz yeah it it was just like there was so much i don't even know what the rules of the match are but my understanding is it's just a hardcore match yeah it felt like that it just felt like a hardcore match but they used their belts and they dressed up and they're dressed like cowboys which i will say i have been playing a whole lot of red dead redemption 2 recently so Dustin's uh, gear of knee pads over jeans with cowboy boots was right up my alley. I love it. Loved it. <laughs> Meanwhile, I have not been playing a lot of Red Dead Redemption lately. I've been playing a lot of Grand Theft Auto. So that le- that tells us uh, where we lie on the spectrum. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Bunkhouse Buck. I keep having to look down at the... Uh, at the the sheet again with all the matches because I keep forgetting what this guy's name is. Bunkhouse Book. Bunkhouse Book. Uh, he, you know, it, I I just honestly don't really know what to say for this match other than we've got a guy who was just pulled from the Indies pretty much uh, to fight a guy who's 25, 24, 25 years old. 
Yeah. Um, and, and a pretty good wrestler, but I don't think he was ready to really carry a program of this caliber on his own. Um, so you get a match that's not great, but is very physical, is very, like, you know, weapons-based. It, it's a hardcore match, like you mentioned, um, and, and it's got a lot of character stuff in that, the cowboy and all that stuff. But, like, yeah, no, I, I just wasn't the biggest of fans, and quite frankly, Evan, I kind of want to hear your thoughts on the match. So we're two for two in Blonde Dustin bleeding in matches, and I thought that that made it seem a little bit more intense. Um, I thought the match was okay. Uh, I think it was missing something. I think if I was more invested, I think if I'd gone back and watched some more things between Colonel Parker and Dustin Rhodes, I would be more invested in him bringing in this new guy, and there'd be a little bit more. Because I think the thing that's missing is the real heat between wrestlers, because we're so used to the actual feuds being between the two guys who are in the ring. Whereas it's not really the case here. The, the feud is Dustin versus Colonel Parker, and he doesn't really get his hands on him. It does explain a little bit as to why Dustin is so preoccupied with Parker for the whole match. Because I think near the end, he hits the bulldog on Buck and then goes after Parker on the apron almost immediately. Yeah. Like, he's not really focusing on Buck at all. He's really focusing on trying to get some comeuppance on Parker. And I think without the context of the rest of the feud, it hurts this match kind of in a vacuum. Uh, I think Dustin, again, proving that he's a good wrestler... But I think also it could be argued that matches like this and booking like this might be why he wanted to do something so severely different in WWF once he got there, because he's very much being booked as like Dusty, but he's not quite Dusty. Yeah, that's kind of the vibe I'm getting from him. He's an everyman. He's he's just like you, but they're not giving him the same rub that they would have given Dusty that they did give Dusty. So. To see him in that similar mold without the level of success, you could see why he'd go to WWF and be like, Goldust, something entirely different. Nobody even knows it's me. Yeah, I, I thought, you know, obviously a, th- a really important part of Dustin Rhodes is the fact that he's 16 years older than his brother. Um, and it, it's very publicly out there that his relationship with Dusty wasn't as good. Uh, as Cody's relationship with Dusty, mm-hmm. um, you know they they I believe they have two separate moms, um, and yes, yeah, yes. I believe they do. Um, and you know they, it was very it's very uh, out there that you know Dusty was very involved in Cody's life um, as Cody was growing up. You know he was coaching um, all of his youth teams. He was, you know he he was just there a lot for Cody uh, where he wasn't with Dustin a lot of the time because he was still kind of active in the wrestling um, and he just wasn't able to be around as much. Um, and that obviously took a great toll on Dustin, you know, and, and as, you know, things like drug use and uh, alcohol abuse started happening with Dustin, it, it left a really strain, a real strain on their relationship and stuff. So, you know, you could see where him sort of being booked like Dusty uh, and, and sort of having to have his career emulating the person that he really had a lot of issues with sort of takes a toll on him and why he would want to make that sh- uh, shift otherwise because he, you know, he, he just, it, it's one of those things where you don't really want to be your father um, in this situation because he, he doesn't have a good relationship with his father, you know? So, like, yeah, I, I could see where a lot of the stuff that happens 
after WCW comes in with Dustin. And, and it was just really cool to see this part of it because it, it's really a lot of the stuff that built the groundwork for what came next in Dustin's career. I think with the right booking or with the right push behind him, I'm not saying Dustin could have been as successful as Dusty was in those territory days, but I think he could have filled a similar role for WCW. But I don't think they were as interested in that being the case. And I don't, I can't speak for, for Dustin, but it didn't seem like that's what he was interested in doing either. Yeah. Um, so instead, he gets to move on to WWF and to being Goldust, which is much different, <laughs> a, a much bigger change. Yeah, um, and, and yeah, uh, did we say the finish of the match? I'm just going to let you quickly... We didn't, but we'll, we'll get to it right now. I don't quite understand why this was done in the way it was, but we'll we'll get to it. It was the old loaded punch. So so Bunkhouse Buck gets the, gets a, a fistful of... Or gets something in his hand. I don't exactly see what it is. Uh, punches Dustin. That loaded punch is enough to, to knock him out for the three count. Uh, not actually illegal... Because I believe this is a hardcore match. You know, people were whipping each other with belts and everybody was bleeding. Uh, but still underhanded. So I'm not quite sure why it was done so secretively. But, you know, uh, Bunkhouse Buck picks up the win. Colonel Parker really picks up the win. And uh, ends this kind of strange hardcore match. Yeah, I, I'm i going to go on a limb and say, you know, WCW had a lot of weird rules um back in the day so maybe it was one of those things where you couldn't have a loaded whatever regardless of the match type yeah i don't know if, if anybody has the answer to that one i mean go by all means let us know um because we are genuinely i mean it, it's been stated before we are young people talking about wrestling from before our time so we don't really know what's going on here we don't know what the rules were at the time um so yeah one of the most exciting things about Dustin's career, though, is that by the time we reach the last couple matches, they're ones that we have watched and have yeah. seen because they're from our time as wrestling fans. Uh, but now it's time to move on to when he switches to WWF and becomes Goldust, starting with the Goldust debut vignettes. Now, have you seen these before? I have seen these before. Um, I, I was... <laughs> I was a big Goldust guy um, when I was I'm a, a kid. Hu- I'm a huge Goldust mark. I, we haven't really gotten into this yet. I'm a huge Goldust mark. Yeah, I loved Goldust when I was Gold a kid. Goldust with Booker T was like one of my favorite things in the world. Yeah, so, you know, my thing was, so I, I, I've mentioned this on multiple podcasts. I have an older brother um, who watched wrestling before me, um, which is really what got me into wrestling. Um, and I remember a lot of the, the old gold dust stuff. I remember him being that androgynous wrestler be, you know, towing the line when it comes to sexuality yeah. and stuff. Um, and, and I just remember the, the, him as the jokester. I remember him as the, the guy who was with Booker T, you know, the, the joking, you know, pushing the envelope, but more kind of with his actions rather than like towing that sexuality line. Like he was in their nineties. He was just really the jokey, uh, person, and that's the the gold dust that I knew. That was the one that was really funny to me. Um, so to see this stuff, like I I would just go on binges and like I'd watch I'd search up gold dust videos on YouTube. You know when I got of age, uh, and, and yeah, like I found a lot of this stuff and I found the vignettes and I was like enthralled by it. I was like, whoa, like this is not something I've ever seen in wrestling before. Like and it really it's something we haven't seen since. So it's like. 
it, it was just yeah. really out there and really cool and i like i was just captivated because it was honestly like i'm not gonna say it was up my alley as far as like weirdness goes but like it really kept me captivated and like the videos were only like a minute minute and a half but like i was paying full attention for the entire minute and a half it's such a shift from what you see with dustin Rhodes. It's such a, a complete transformation and complete buy-in to the character. And I think that's what makes it much more believable is you see that this is not Dustin Rhodes. Even if you knew that that was the guy who was under the under the face paint, which a lot of people didn't, you were like, something has changed. This person is different. You can kind of see that there is this, this whole new character and he's captivating he is mesmerizing. His cadence is different. He, like, I don't know if it's in either any of the debut vignettes or not, but he would eventually add the, like, biting thing that he would do at the end of his, his breath. The, I can't eat. It's hard to do without. Yeah, that. that, that that's pretty good. Um, so different. And if I am a fan who's seeing these debut vignettes, I immediately, like, I want to know what is going on with that person. Like, I want to see them in a wrestling ring because I don't understand. And I want to see what they do. And I think one of the big things that was really successful for, for Goldust is the fact that once he got in the ring, the character work continued. He yeah. was always doing character work while he was wrestling. And I think what was really important uh, for the Goldust character was who they put him in there with. They put him in there with uh, Razor Ramon. Who's yep. like the suave, cool guy. You could definitely see Razor Ramon being kind of like the, the homophobic, like, whoa, man, get off of me kind of person, you know? So yep. when when Goldust was there and doing that kind of stuff, and, and, you know, Razor would respond in a way that was very natural for that character. For anyone who just kind of doesn't want to be basically sexually harassed mid-match, like, you know, and, and getting rubbed up on a lot. It was just really cool, and that was, I think, the perfect way to introduce Goldust to the world because it was kind of like a shot in the arm as far as a different entertainment value went. Check out the vignettes. Check out the debut vignettes and see them for yourself. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to look at our first match from Goldust in the WWF. All right, on to match three. Now, when it came to picking Goldust matches, specifically Attitude Era matches, as we know, the Attitude Era was a lot of like crash bang entertainment, not long matches, not a lot of like quality, drawn out epics, and we wanted to have a match that had a little bit more meat to it. So we picked one of the most famous five on five tag matches probably in history, uh, and it's a match from Canadian Stampede, 1997, I believe. It is a five on five match where the Hart Foundation takes on the very, very strange team of Goldust, Stone Cold Steve Austin, the Legion of Doom, and Ken Shamrock. Uh, it's our second five-on-five match with both Goldust and Austin in it, so that's that's fun continuity. Yeah. Uh, but overall, a very strange match right near the beginning of, of Goldust's run. Uh, what were your thoughts on this match? Had you seen it before? Um, I had seen it before this um, I, I've remarked multiple times about the old good old Attitude Era playlist that was on the, the WWE Network way back. 
Um, this was obviously a part of that because this was the the Heart Foundation becoming a thing and all that jazz. Um, but yeah, no, this is the match that I said that he really sticks out like a sore thumb because his team is uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, the Stone Cold Steve Austin iteration of yeah. this. Um, <laughs> Hawk and Animal, so the the Legion of Doom, um, and Ken Shamrock. Who, the world's most dangerous man, Ken yes, Shamrock. Ken Shamrock, who is, what, like a couple of years removed from UFC 1, and quite literally, probably him and Hoist Gracie are the two best mixed martial artists in the world at this point. Yep. So it's it's really, it, it's just he sticks out like a sore thumb. He just does. You've got a an ass-kicking uh, drunk redneck in Stone Cold. You've got Ken Shamrock, who's a lunatic and quite literally murders people for a living. Uh, and you've got the Legion of Doom, who are just like these hard-hitting, crazy, you know, tag team who, who's been around for well over a decade at this point and is absolute known. Absolute legends. Yeah, they're absolute legends. And then you've got Goldust. <laughs> and the team-up for this was Goldust's idea. In ca- like in, in the storyline, the idea to team up to face the Heart Foundation was Goldust's idea. Which yeah. I think is even stranger that he would be the one to be like, let's all get together and take out the Heart Foundation. You know, I'm gonna, I'm really like happy you chose this match because I I love this match, um, because I I'll just watch anything that involves the Heart Foundation. But I'm kind of shocked you didn't pick the what was it WrestleMania eight the backlot brawl. Fair. I I really am shocked you didn't pick that, which is fine. Um, but like I I. I feel like that's the most famous Gold Dust match as far as the WWE run goes. It's also um, got the the WrestleMania shine to it, right? Yeah, it, it obviously did get the WrestleMania shine to it. Him and Roddy Piper for the Intercontinental Championship. It, it's it's a big match, but this was an interesting pick because you know again he sticks out like a sore thumb. It's not really a feud that people remember between him and. Uh, in the hearts, um, I believe. But his feud, his feud was really with Brian Pillman. Yeah. So coming out of this is the feud with Brian Pillman that had to be cut short tragically because of Pillman's untimely death. But it's where he he and Pillman were feuding over Marlena, which is yes. Terry Reynolds. Yes. Who who I think at this point is still Dustin's wife. I believe so. Real life wife. I know that doesn't become the case pretty much soon after this, but I believe at the time she is still his wife. Um, which, wow. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, no, this it's a fun match. Again, I am a Bret Hart mark. Like, I love Bret Hart. I will watch any Bret Hart match ever. Th- throw Stone Cold Steve Austin in there, and I will watch it even more. For anybody that has seen the uh, the Broken Skull sessions that came out with Bret Hart on the WWE Network, it's fantastic. Go give it a watch. I, I love Bret Hart. I would die on the Bret Hart Hill. Um, and, and I thought Brett was fantastic in this match. I, I really love the work all around. I, I This is just a really entertaining, good, well-worked wrestling match that told a story. There was really cool. And, you know, I love the crowd reaction because this is in that phase where Bret Hart is the biggest baby face in Canada and in Europe. But he is like the biggest heel in America. But it doesn't yeah. matter because this match is in Canada. And Bret Hart is like... Freaking, he's the Stone Cold in Canada, you know? Not, like, it's not even it's just in Canada. It's in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. It is in the heart of heart country. 
Yeah, and it's... he like the whole the whole foundation can do no wrong in this match, and you know WWE loves to throw out the like oh they're cheering who they normally boo and they're booing who they normally cheer. This is the this is the bizarre world. This is where you know five of your most popular acts on the babyface side will get booed to no end because just because of where they are. Because Canada, I will speak on behalf of the other Canadians. If we see a Canadian doing anything we lose our collective minds so if you have five really good like and they're not even all canadians but if five the five heart foundation guys and they're coming in to represent canada we'll throw everything behind it absolutely put the title on kevin owens in montreal you cowards i would die i would love anyways but yeah no this, this just to build on the the fact that it's the Hart's backyard even more. The whole Hart family is there. I mean, when yep. they when they all come out, um, you know, you see British Bulldog Davy Boy uh, with his wife, who is Bret Hart's sister. You know, yep. it, it's it, it, it's really cool to see that and to see the whole family. You know, you've got Stu Hart, you've got uh, his brother, who I believe was going to be a wrestler, who is a wrestler, who is going yeah. to be the person that. Brett feuded with inside from Owen. I always forget his Bruce Hart. There we Bruce. go. He gets involved in the match at some point as well. You just got the whole family there, and they get involved in the match as well. And it, it's Austin just so tries cool. to beat them up at ringside. Austin tries to beat them all up. <laughs> like it, it's so crazy to me. Which you know, very, it, very in tune with Austin's character. Yeah, Austin just doesn't care. Austin will fight the entire locker room if he wants. Stone Cold Steve Austin is an absolute gem of a character. And, like, I am so upset that I was born in 1997. Like, I was probably (laughs) born before this match even took place. You know, so it's like, it's just something that, like, obviously flew by my by the wayside for me because I just wasn't around for it. But I love this match. I just love it. I I do. It's, It's peak uh Bret Hart it's really we're getting there with Stone Cold Steve Austin Gold Dust was again sticking out like a sore thumb he wasn't really doing the Gold Dust thing he was kind of just Dustin Rhodes like the natural he was working like he was the natural Dustin Rhodes but in Gold Dust gimmick see I, I would I would say that he was doing a lot a little bit more than that I wrote down for his work in the match solid hand but he's still like expanding on what the Gold Dust character is he doesn't do anything like over the top the way he does in some of his other singles matches but you know he's still got a good grasp in terms of changing the mannerisms even the way he kind of moves around the ring is different in comparison to his wcw stuff so i'd say it's a little different obviously he's not out there to be the star right there's enough stars out there he doesn't need to be the one to kind of control everything but overall a a good hand in the match uh but you know when you're in there with brett and austin you're going to be overshadowed just a little bit. Yeah. Um, especially Brett and Austin. I, at this point, Stone Cold was at like... He was really getting there to the peak of his powers. Like he was just He's just a couple of months away from winning the Royal Rumble, stunning Vince McMahon, and beating Sean yeah. for the belt. You know, And Brett, Brett's a couple of months away from being out of the company completely. So this we're getting there as far as like the top levels of these guys' the, careers. The biggest things, yeah. Like, these are the two probably biggest stars. You throw Shawn Michaels in there, three biggest stars in the entirety of the wrestling business right now. Um, so, so it's, you know, to, to capitalize on this the way they did, I mean, they're in Canada. The crowd was hot the entire time. 
The building is so loud that the camera shakes. Yeah. At the beginning it, of the match. Yeah, I thought what was really cool was uh you know, all the all the Heart Foundation guys come out uh to their own theme music, but they like wait at the entrance or on top of the stage for the yeah. next people to come out. And Brett comes out at the end, but there's like a slight delay to let the crowd sort of build up more before you hear the beginning of Bret Hart's song. And once you hear that riff from the guitar, it's just like everyone goes crazy. And he just Very, comes out. He doesn't even stop. He goes straight to the ring like a total badass. And I just loved everything. Very similar to CM Punk, Money in the Bank against John Cena. Because they also let it sit a little when they were in Chicago. And they, they waited for CM Punk and the crowd was like ready to attack just give uh, me yeah very similar vibes um somebody that i wanted to point out in this match who stood out to me for for good reasons as like my, my unsung hero of the match brian pillman is hilarious yeah uh little things like he's on shamrock he slams shamrock's hand into the canvas and says he's tapping out like what a little shit yeah like that's some that's good stuff uh, it's it's a damn shame that uh, the world lost Brian Pillman younger than than you know than we might have hoped. It's a damn uh, shame that that Brian Pillman's ankle went the way it did because Brian yeah. Pillman was amazing. You know, we we see it here. I mean, the the stuff with Austin when he had, when they had their little go as kind of a nod back to to that feud and and that uh, duo that they had way back in WCW, but like. You know, he has the the one part where Austin just sort of like pulls his tights, and you can see his 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 butt cheeks clear as day. Yeah, and you know it, he just sort of holds it there. It's like a solid thirty forty five seconds of Austin pulling his tights, and you can just see Brian Pillman's ass pretty much, uh, and, and it's crazy. Um, and, and yeah, you know, like it, it's he just has a lot of stuff especially on the apron too where you see him like jump around and you see all these yeah. facial reactions like brian pillman was a gem that i don't think people really got to appreciate if you want to watch a really good brian pillman match that's really quick the debut episode of wcw nitro uh which is september 4th 1995 he has a six minute opener match against jushin thunder liger it's one of my favorite card openers i've ever seen i I reviewed uh the first episode of nitro before for daily ddt and i remember coming away from that being a fan of both guys so if you ever want to go watch a, a good pillman match go check out that one uh what were some other pieces of this match you really liked yeah um the the one part where it's owen and austin in the ring um and you know they obviously had that feud for the intercontinental championship that you know, Stone Cold broke his neck uh, at yep. SummerSlam and all that jazz. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. But like, you know, they they had their little moments in there as well. And there was that part where Austin just sort of kept slamming his knee on the turnbuckle or not the on the ring post. And, you know, it 
it led to a lot of stuff like Stu Hart got into his face at that point. I believe it was, you know, and and he did it for a while and that took Owen out of the match. Um, And then Brett turns it around on him and he gives it to Austin. You know, he starts drilling his knee into the ring post later on in the match and he, uh, you know, puts him in that. I love that. I love this move. It's when, uh, when Brett Hart puts people in the, in the sharpshooter, but it's on the ring post yeah, it, it's so it's like they have to put the camera angle a certain way because, you know, Austin's obviously holding Brett up himself like he's grabbing onto his leg and he's holding him up. And that's how yeah. they make it work. So they have to position the camera in a way that they don't catch that. And every single time he does it, I'm just like, oh, you you person. This is like it, he gets me every time. Like, I know wrestling's fake, but like this makes it so real to me. Like, it's it's real to me when Bret Hart does it, damn it. Oh, of course. I love Bret Hart so much. And then, you know, Austin obviously gets leaves as well. He comes back later on, and he's like a house on fire. Um, and, but This is when he starts fighting hearts at ringside. Yeah, this is when he starts fighting hearts at ringside. It's crazy. I just love this match. Obviously, Owen comes back at the towards the end. And that's kind of what leads to the finish. But this just becomes a big cluster at the end. And, and kind of a weird finish. I'm not yeah. a huge fan. Um, I am okay with it just because in a match like this, it's kind of... I don't think you can have a straight-up finish. I think it has to be like a wonky finish just because like... It's got to be an out-of-nowhere kind of thing. And obviously, I think you know the Canadians had to win this match. They just had to win this match. Uh, for for the sake of getting out of here alive, they had to for the good match. of our country. But like, you know, it, it was just really cool to see. And, and yeah, it ends up with I believe it's a roll up, right? Owen rolls yeah. up. Uh, who is it? Austin. The, Austin. Yeah, he rolls up Austin for the win. But like, yeah, you know, this is after the hearts interfere. The whole family. <laughs> this is after like everything breaks down and there's brawls all over. And it makes a lot of sense for Owen to be the one that gets it on Austin because Austin's the one that took him out of the match. Austin's the one that picked the bone with his family. You know, so for Owen to get that sweet revenge in the end, it was the perfect way to get the heels to really be kind of like the baby faces of the match. Yeah. Uh, considering they were basically the baby faces of the match because of the crowd. So, yeah. Canada I, I did not give them a choice. Yeah, I personally like the finish, but I can understand why you wouldn't. I think it's it's just because with such talent in the match, it seemed like you'd expect a little more of like a a crash definitive finish. Uh, But once you gave me your explanation, it made it a little bit easier to digest. So I think you've sold me a little bit on the end of the match. Uh, We skip ahead quite a few years. Uh, Yeah, I would say... 16 years. Yeah. 16 years we skip ahead. So this is skipping over a lot of... Dustin's work uh, as Gold Dust, his, his uh, and Black stuff with Rain. Booker T. We skip over Black Rain. We skip over Seven. Uh, we're skipping over quite a bit of things to go to Battleground 2013. It is the Brotherhood, which is Dustin, aka Gold Dust, and Cody Rhodes going up against Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins of the Shield. In a match to win back their jobs, both men had been fired by the authority in the weeks leading up. So the the stipulations for this match were it was uh, Goldust and Cody with their father Dusty Rhodes, you know, the king of NXT, uh, in their corner against the authority. If they won, they got their jobs back. But if they lost, Dusty would lose his job in NXT. Uh, 
Had you seen this match? Were you a fan in in this time? Had you seen this match live? Um, so I did not see this match live. I was not watching wrestling still at this point. Um, this was during that one low period that I had. I didn't really come back until after Daniel Bryant's WrestleMania 30 run. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no. So you this, just missed this. I just missed this. Um, but I, I, I've obviously gone back and I've watched the stuff that I miss. And this is actually the one program that's really stuck out with me the most. I love the Shield, mind you. Mm-hmm. I'm a big Shield guy. Um, I love that unit together. But like this, this right here was just gold. Like, can you imagine? Oh. This is crazy because these are like no knock on Dustin. But three of the four people in this match, I'm sorry, three of the five, four of the five people involved in this match are quite literally four of the, like, ten biggest stars in the world right now. Which is my, like, it's wild to think about. Like, this match is the top babyface in AEW and his brother going up against the top guy in WWE on SmackDown and the top guy in WWE on Raw. With the other, with the AEW world champion at ringside. Yeah, like that's mental to think about. Like it, it's it's so crazy, and like I love the build up to this match because it it really highlighted the character work and the proficiency that you know Dusty, Dustin, and Cody have of just being so good at drawing emotion. You know that was the the beauty of doing that Dusty Rhodes episode is that we saw how good Dusty was at getting emotion. And he was working it on the mic. Like, you saw it in that little vignette that popped up. uh, The little video package that popped up before the match uh, itself. And, you know, it was so good. His his interaction in the ring with Stephanie. His interaction in the ring with Hunter. Like, they clearly had respect for Dusty. And they didn't want to fire Dusty. They said it themselves. He's the guy who was molding the future of WWE and he was doing a great job at it. But Dusty was just giving it to him because you messed with my baby's baby and I ain't going to allow it. <laughs> great interactions with Stephanie and Trips, sure. But Big Show be, <laughs> being uh, <laughs> controlled by the authority and working for the authority when he didn't want to and crying when he knocked people out Here's my hot take of the episode. I I loved it. I thought that that was a really, I thought it was a really enjoyable thing to have happen. And then the reason being, how you can't stop laughing at me. The reason being, Big Show crying is one of the funniest looking things in wrestling. He is a seven foot tall giant of a man, and when he cries, it 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 looks so unnatural. So him literally bawling before he punches Dusty Rhodes in the face is just such a surreal sight that you're almost kind of like, I, I get lost in it. And that's kind of what I look for in wrestling is to be totally lost in it. So I remember watching that live and being like, he's not going to punch Dusty. Dusty's an old man at this point. He won't do it. And then there was a little part of my brain, the little smart part of my brain, that's like, Dusty will do anything for the business. He's about to get punched in the face. Vince and McMahon he will did. do anything. <laughs> Vince McMahon will get headbutt by Kevin Owens till he's busted open. Vince McMahon no, would I, have his his dead father exhumed and pow driven on TV for raping. <laughs> Jesus. I don't think you're far off. So let's go into the actual match. Um... One thing that I, I, I pulled out of here is at one point, 
Michael Cole calls Cody the future of sports entertainment. And like, little does he know how right he will be and how much will be a pain in the ass for the WWE. Yeah, I just, I, I'm looking at this, like looking back on this match and it strikes me even more. How did they not do anything with Cody? Like, how do you look at that guy and his youth, his ability on the mic, his ability to be able to grasp a character and his work in the ring and you don't at least put him in one main event how do you not do how do was how is that guy not ma- still how is he not the current wwe champion i don't understand how is he not main eventing wrestlemania this week because like, they made him be stardust for so long and in the same way that i think dustin didn't want to be dusty in wcw Cody didn't want to be Dustin in WWE. And they kept putting him in this this box to be like, oh, you're going to do the Stardust character. It's like Goldust, but not really. You'll figure it out. Like, he clearly has so much more to offer. I think if WWE hadn't pushed him in that direction, they could be riding coattails of having such a successful guy in their business. But the argument can also be made that in order for Cody to be as good as he is right now, he needed to leave. He needed to bet on himself. He needed to do the indie work, you know, working for uh, ROH and working for New Japan. He needed to do all that in order to get to where he is. So two sides of the coin. Yeah. And say what you want about Cody Rhodes. You know, nowadays you may have your opinions on all elite wrestling and may have your opinions on, on what Cody has done and what he said about wwe since his departure but like the guy is very much a main event talent you know he is he should have been opposite seth rollins at wrestlemania opposite roman reigns at wrestlemania like this guy is money and like he he just is he prints money he's a good looking guy he's a good worker good talker good you know guy with his character baby face or heel like how is this guy not I just don't get it. This match alone proved that he is at that level and that he should have been pushed at that level at some point. And I just can't, I'm baffled by it. I really am. But that's beside the point. We get to the match. It's a great match. I genuinely so, love this match. So Goldust had only come back for this storyline. He was a participant in the 2013 Royal Rumble, but hadn't really been seen aside from this storyline where Cody had crossed the authority, and then he came back for a good one-off match against Orton on Raw, uh, and then this match comes at Battleground. And Goldust in this match is, you know, vintage Goldust. And I know it sounds weird because we had just gone over so many years of Goldust's career, we kind of skipped a bunch of it, but... This is the Goldust that people think of, I think, in the modern era. Uh, at one point, he gets a hot tag from Cody, and it's just that classic Goldie hot tag. Atomic yeah. drop, the drop-down uppercut. It's all just crisp and clean. The man hits a hits a snap power slam like nobody's business. Uh, great work from Goldust. In there with, you know, as you mentioned, in the actual match, three of the best world champions in the world three of the top guys in the world right now you know they're a couple years off from that as of yet but these are all still really talented young guys goldie is you know getting up there in age at this point and he's still got all the mojo he still got it yeah and he's keeping it there with the young bucks you know he's uh he he's doing the thing and i think that's it's really important to remember how good 
Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns were as the tag team champions. Like they were having great matches with a lot of different teams, and you know they, it, it's really really cool because they are yeah you know Seth Rollins had his run as Tyler Black. He he was a great performer at the independent level. He was a great performer in NXT, um, and they've had they've been having great matches uh, throughout their run in WWE so far. But I I think it's really important to note. Like, these guys were still really young and still pretty green as far as their exposure to WWE goes. And here's Goldust just pulling such a great emotional performance. And to see the Shield in a, in a like, this was their first real prominent storyline as far as it comes to ensuing emotion, you know? Like, they hadn't. They don't really do that kind of thing until they really got involved in the whole Daniel yeah. Bryan thing, you know. They, they were mercenaries for hire up until this point. Really. Yeah, and, and here they are, you know, being the mercenaries to two guys who the fans really care about. You know, it, it's one thing when they're getting involved with CM Punk. It's one thing when they're getting involved with Daniel Bryan. But this is like, this had real stakes. Like, people got so behind the Rhodes family at this point. Like, they, they were the biggest baby faces in wrestling. And, like, they just... This match just every they hung on to every near finish they they hung on to every little thing, you know even Ambrose on the outside like the crowd hated him, and, and it's just it, it was just so awesome it really was. Can can we talk about Dusty's involvement? Yes, we can. Dusty hits Ambrose with a bionic elbow, and I could not stop giggling because Ambrose sold it like he had been shot by somebody and you know he just took an elbow from like a 60 year old man yeah but you know in the world of wrestling old wrestlers still have all their powers right so dusty hits us that bionic elbow and oh it's just such a good feel-good moment just yeah and, and it gets you really excited and the finish comes really quick after yeah. with one of the finest crossroads i have ever seen from cody yeah, like, Seth Rollins. Full turn. Seth had a good good sell, but like a full torque on it. Uh, a, a lot of a lot of oomph behind it. Yeah, I, and it's really interesting. You know, after uh, Dusty hits the bionic elbow, you know, obviously Roman gets jumped on by Gold Dust outside, uh, and you know that's you know Cody's distracted by this, so Seth puts on you know he rolls him up. Obviously, it's a near fall. Uh, I really like. If I were watching this match for the first time and I didn't know what the result was, I would have believed that that was the finish right there um, yeah. when Seth rolled up Cody. But he didn't, obviously, and that leads to the the beautiful crossroads that you mentioned, which to me, I think it's the best crossroads ever hit. I, th- I think so. It was beautiful. Seth sold it perfectly. And I, I just feel like it's made for people like Seth to take. Just because you can get the full rotation on there, they could just there. Seth is a bouncy guy; he could just like sell it like death. Like, can you imagine Ricochet selling the crossroads? I was, I was literally just thinking: Have Cody and Ricochet met on the independent scene? And if they have, they have. I see Ricochet take a crossroads because that would be amazing. I don't think they did. I think Ricochet signed with the WWE like maybe a handful of months, if not like less than that. After Cody oh, left. Yeah. Cody Rhodes versus Ricochet from WCPW, baby. Oh, baby. Thank we will be watching that later at some point. I need you to send you, me that. Thank you, old what culture. I love you to death. Yes. Uh, we will, we'll we'll put that on the social medias as well with a big big shout out to the what culture guys. Well, yeah. now cultaholic guys. Yes. 
Um, shout out Cultaholic. Shout out Cultaholic. But also shout out to Cody Rhodes, Dusty Rhodes, and Dustin Rhodes because they managed to pull out the win here. They managed to get their jobs back and they managed to do absolutely nothing with this momentum because well they, they they win the tag titles they win the tag titles but then you know they they're they're just like a weird tag team in that cody's still cody rhodes he eventually grows his mustache back uh and and dustin's just just there as gold dust and they really didn't capitalize on on the popularity of the two of them at once yeah and then you know then cody becomes stardust and then it leads us down the winding road of AW being formed, and now we get the great Cody uh, on our went on our screens every Wednesday. The blood and guts match is coming soon, and I'm excited for it. What a great segue! It's almost like you knew what the last match is going to be. So the last match comes from All Elite Wrestling, Double or Nothing, and it is brother versus brother, Cody Rhodes versus Dustin Rhodes. Uh, Dustin reinvented himself. Uh, a lot of his old hits in terms of, of moves, but a little bit of a different aura to him in terms of the goal of this character has been stripped away and it's just a new version of Dustin Rhodes. Cody talks about how he wants to kill the Attitude Era in the in the promos leading up to this match. Uh, this is the most recent match, one of the most recent matches we've ever covered on the show. And a little bit of my, I, I'd call it my hidden shame among the wrestling community is that I didn't watch a full AEW pay-per-view until, uh, what was the one before Revolution? Uh, uh, wow, my, I'm... Full Gear. Ah, uh, yes, so Full Gear. Full Gear was the first AEW pay-per-view I watched in full. So I actually had never seen this match. I had only seen the Twitter clips of the end when Cody's voice cracks talking about how he needs a brother. Um... I love this match. I think in terms of match quality, it's the best match of the five we're watching for this episode. What are your thoughts? I think that these, the, the, okay. as far as match quality goes, I think the first match is still the best one. This was my first time seeing this match, actually. Um, I... I hadn't gone back and I know it's been like almost a year since the match took place. I just hadn't gone back and watched it yet. There's so much wrestling to watch right now. Yeah, there's so much wrestling to watch right now. There's well, so much wrestling for right me to catch up now. on. Now is when we get to catch up on wrestling. Why do you have to? Why? I know. I'm you, so sorry. Why do you have to remind me of that? You know, I was over here. I'm having a good time and you had to take it away That's from what I'm me. here for. But anyways... Uh, yeah, no, this is my first time watching it. Um, I thought it was a good match. You know, I thought it was a, there was a lot of story to it. Um, there, there, I remember that part. I remember the build up to the match. I remember Cody, you know, breaking the throne, all that jazz. But I don't know. This, this just kind of felt like it wasn't like, it doesn't get to that top tier. And everyone like said, this was probably like one of the two if not the match of the year for 2019, regardless of promotion, I don't think so. I still think the first Gargano Cole match was the match of the year. I think that match is one of the matches of the decade, you know, like matches of the decade, I should say. Uh, and I don't know. I thought, I, I think there were matches that year that were better, uh, than this one. Uh, this again, this, 
it's a good match. It's a really good match. I just don't, it just didn't hit that level with me personally. See, I loved the dynamic of brother versus brother because I had been wanting WWE to do it properly and they never did. So when I saw this match was announced, I got excited because I know that Cody was good. I'd followed him pretty religiously on the indies uh, because he's one of the first really prominent names to be released to really go like, I'm going to make it on my own in the indies. And uh, I remember following that journey pretty intently. So when AEW started, I was, you know, all in, excuse the pun. Uh, and when this match came in, I was really excited because, like we talked about before, I was a big gold dust mark. So I was like, well, let's see what Dustin can still do. I'm sad that I missed it live. Um, but I really enjoyed this because there were a lot of parts that were unexpected to me. I didn't know what the dynamic would be in terms of face heel. And yet it seemed like Dustin was the face and Cody was the heel when I really thought it would be the other way around. And I love the way that they kind of played off one another. Um, they really played into the fact that they know each other's moveset, that they have each other's moveset in some instances, um, and that they could predict what the other one was going to do. I thought there was a lot of good psychology that way. Uh, I love that Brandy randomly spears Dustin out of legitimately nowhere and gets tossed like there were a lot of just like really fun pieces to it uh and i'd say some really you good know what ruined the match sequences. for me uh it was the fact that earl hebner was the referee i just put it together that's why the match didn't work for me because the worst referee in the history of professional wrestling was on the on the job there but anyways i gotta stop giving you earl hebner matches you really do you're just gonna rip on them i hate earl hebner Earl, if you're hearing this, or Brian Hebner, if you're hearing this, I hate you. But that's <laughs> beside the point. Just throw in both Hebners. Um, that's so, beside the point. I th again, yeah, like this was a good, it had a lot of good story psychology to it. I thought it was really uh, interesting that Cody was the heel, considering, you know, he's one of the biggest baby faces um, in the world at the time. But, like, you know, it, it, it's, it made a lot of sense. Just because Cody was really the one that was coddled by Dusty. Yeah. You know, he was the one that, that had a lot of that love from the father. Um, so it makes sense that, you know, Dustin would kind of be the baby face and that, you know, I had the tumultuous relationship with our father. I didn't really get to, you know, have the time with him that you did. And it's not fair. You know, it's not fair that you were the loved child. So I'm going to take my anger out on you. You know, it, it made a lot of sense, but that wasn't yeah. really the story they were telling. It was a lot of, I want to kill the Attitude Era. And also, like, we never got this match in the other promotion. Let's just have it now. And I want to be the heel, uh, Dustin. You know, it's... I think there was a lot of good work in terms of the, the move specifically, but we talked early about how the first two matches, Dustin gets busted open. In this match, Dustin gets busted open so he debuts new face paint which is now his AEW face paint where it's the half face and it's red and black by the time the match ends he is all red <laughs> he is so covered in blood it is a little concerning um but there's one shot in specific uh one shot specifically uh where dustin reverses the figure four and he's coated in blood and it's very similar to that Austin blood from a stone uh, image from WrestleMania 13. And I was like, that is like a great shot of 
how far Dustin has come and how good he is and how consistently good he's been as a wrestler. Yeah, um, I definitely see the elements there when it comes to the whole uh, Austin Hart thing. Um, And and I thought it was cool. You know, the the tons of blood, obviously, it's it's a Rhodes family match. Someone's going to bleed like a stuffed pig. Yeah, uh, it was scary how much blood Dustin lost in this match. It really was. Um, and, and, you know, my images of this match has always been Cody covered in blood as well. I just didn't realize that it wasn't his own. Yeah. Um, and, and that was kind of that was really scary to look back and see because, you know, Dustin's all of, what is he, like 50, 51 years old? Somewhere along there. So to see him, I mean, he's... An, He's an older guy, and you know him bleeding this much can't be healthy. So you know it, it's definitely scary to see. But I, I thought the match again. I'm not trashing the match. I don't think it's a bad match. I think it's a very good match. I think it's an excellent match. I, I you know I like the story that they told. I like the the story that they told in the match. I like the finish. You know Cody coming out in the end, finally putting his brother down. Uh, you know the stuff with uh, Dustin not being able to see because you know obviously he's cut like a stuffed pig but like you know he he's he he's working his way through it you know cody keeps himself uh within arm's reach so dustin's able to to sort of keep it going and get some some of his stuff in the interference with brandy uh the unfortunate uh involvement of earl hebner you know it's there's so much to it and i like the little details i just don't think it's match of the year and i feel like i am entitled to that opinion you you absolutely are i have this opinion and it's something that i think a lot of people would say that cody is overall a better wrestler than dustin specifically now but even i think peak gold dust dustin people would still prefer cody one thing that Goldust slash Dustin is still better at than Cody is working punches. Dustin, we haven't really talked about it the entirety of the pod, but Dustin's working punches are amazing. And in this match, you can hear a difference. Dustin's, you can't really tell that he's stomping Matt and they sound like they connect every single time. Whereas Cody's still, you just sounds like he's stomping on the mat. So one area, at least that, you know, Dustin's got the upper hand on his little brother. Um, not even just that. I think Dustin is one of the better work punches ever. Yeah. Um, I, I remember, I think Bret Hart has the best work punch in the history of professional wrestling. I, I, I do. Bret Hart's punch is amazing. Um, Austin is obviously up there. I think Rock has a great one. Even, you know, even obviously he oversold everything. Give me, give me biker taker with some, some decent work punches. Yeah. Not even just biker taker, any taker yeah. really after, after the, big evil gimmick still to this day you know uh, undertaker's punches are, are fantastic but like yeah no there there's a lot of guys but dusty's or dusty dustin's up there you know he's he's a fantastic he's got a fantastic work it's it's, punch. That, it's all that stuff that we talked about in the war games match the ability to sell while still being athletic while still knowing your character he is one of the last of that dying breed of that old school selling and so I think it makes him stand out even more as he continues to keep wrestling. Yeah, and I think that's really his, uh, where he really adds to AEW's roster is the fact that, you know, you don't, there's just, it's a last, you mentioned it, it's a last of a dying breed. You know, you don't really get that in Japan. You don't get that in Mexico. You don't get that a lot in the WWE side of things. There's only so many guys who are really there. Like, 
you've got Randy Orton, but Randy's, I believe he's already 40, you know, like you've got, you know, some guys maybe, like Roman Reigns throws a great punch, I feel like, but there aren't that many Roman Reigns who do that, you know, Baron Corbin's a bare knuckle brawling champion, you know, he's a, he's a ball, he's a brawler, he, he was a, a boxing guy, and I don't really like Baron Corbin's punches that much, to be honest. I, I think it's just a pretty average punch. Um, and th- there aren't many guys out there who, who can do what Dustin Rhodes can do. Um, there aren't, I don't think anyone on the AEW roster can do what he does. And I think that it's it, it works out fantastic for, for them that he's there because of it. I don't think anybody can really do what Dustin does what he brings to the table especially now in 2020 there's nobody who's who's had that longevity that ability to really continuously reinvent themselves you know jericho does and matt hardy does now AEW has them but they're of a different breed i think they're more reinvention of character whereas dustin is you know a little bit same old same old as he's been as dustin rhodes um, but his ability to always give you a 100% clean match and be able to carry on and and teach some skills to the younger guys, that's where his his value is really gonna sh- gonna shine. Yeah, and he's he's now in that tag team with what's that guy's name? QT QT Marshall. Yeah, who who's a person who's like I could definitely see them like a year from now being the tag champs and having this great yeah. storyline, you know. And I'm really enthralled by that because. You know, they, they, I, I'm really excited to see what Dustin's career does from this point on in AEW because I don't think he'll ever be a main event guy. I don't think he wants to be a main event guy for them. No. Um, and, and I just, I, I want to see, you know, the types of matches he has. I want to see him in a feud with some of these younger guys who, who maybe don't really get the shine. Uh, like, like maybe put him in there with Orange Cassidy. Why not? Put him in there with Orange Cassidy. Why not? I really want to see him fight Pac. I want to see that yeah. feud. Like that's a that's a money feud to me at least, as far as you know. Yeah, but you want to see everybody fight Pac and the stuff on uh in the ring. I think it'd be awesome. Um, you know, there, there's so many guys there who I really want to see him wrestle. Uh, it's just great. Um, I, I think Dustin is in a good spot for for where he is in his career. I think he's in a great role. He's there with his brother. You know, he he's working comfortably he doesn't he's a part-time guy as far as the schedule goes because of the way that aw runs their promotion um so he's not putting a lot of miles on his body at this point and i think that's great for him physically because he's done the time yeah great for him physically you know he has a he, he has a, a daughter who's older so you know to be able to spend time with her and with family uh be able to be there with his brother uh, you know, we know about his demons, so it's really cool to see this guy be able to push over the mountain and, and be fine now for the for the last stretch run of his career as he progresses into the next phase of his life. Now, we, we I think we've kind of succinctly summarized where where Dustin's at right now. What do you think when people look back on the career of Dustin Rhodes, whenever he decides to hang him up and stop putting on the face paint? What are the what type of things are people going to remember about Dustin Rhodes? I hope that it's not that he wasn't able to live up to what his father was or what his brother will likely be. I really hope so because like Dustin is a very unique talent in the wrestling Agreed. business. You know, he's a guy who can do a little bit of everything. You know, he's the ultimate I feel like he's the ultimate utility player. Um, you know, he could be a heel, yeah. he could be a face, he could be your natural Dustin Rhodes, 
you know, good old all-American boy, or he could be Goldust. You know, he's a great person talking on the mic. He, you can put him in comedy. You can put him in serious angles. You can put him in the main event. You can put him in the undercard. You can put him in dark matches, put him in tag matches, put him in six-man matches, put him in every type of match. And he's going to be a good role for... He's going to be a good uh, piece for that role. Um, and, and I just think, like, he's just one of those guys who's just... He gets it, you know? And, and it was really cool uh, to be able to go and see the progression of his career while doing this. Um, and it, it's really cool to see him now. You know, I loved Gold Dust when I was a kid. I loved Gold Dust. Still do. Uh, when he was doing his stuff with R Truth, you know, like he's awesome. Uh, and, and I'm really. I happy. was really invested in that Golden Truth stuff. Hey, yeah. And then he turned, and then he turned on R Truth, and then nothing happened, and that that broke my heart yeah. because you could tell they didn't really have a lot for those two guys to do. So. This was in a period when I was reviewing SmackDown every week, and they were like a highlight to me. Is just seeing what kind of weird things they would do because they're both just endearing characters. My favorite thing was this little thing with Fandango when Fandango had Summer Rae. Uh, oh my and god! And he was just like, <laughs> he would just dance for Summer Rae, and it was the funniest thing in the world. I you can put Goldust in any combination of wrestlers, backstage personalities, in any match, in any segment. Dustin Rhodes will get something good out of it. That is a, a guarantee. Dustin Rhodes was in a Darth Vader suit, gave Booker T a lightsaber, and gave us one of the greatest moments in rec- wrestling history. Where he was like, when he's just like, "Can you feel it, sucker?" I like, I loved everything about it. Um, you know, and, and whenever. He, in his tag team with Booker, and Booker would like go over the top, and you just see his face. He's just like, oh, and he's just so Always into great. it. His facial expressions were so great. The guy has the best comedic timing. Uh, it's just amazing. And, and like again, I really hope he doesn't get lost in the shuffle because his brother's going, like his brother already is, and is going to be one of the best faces uh, in professional wrestling for years to come. Like Cody. Lock him in as a top guy for the next 10 years at least, you know? And, and Dusty is obviously one of the greatest ever to do it at any level, whether it was backstage, in the ring, you know, as a coach, all of that stuff. And, and I really hope that Dustin doesn't get lost in that mix because he is fantastic in his own right and he should definitely be lauded just as much as those guys are. He has managed to shine despite being in a family with two huge stars. Yeah. He managed to shine in his own right. And I know that WWE likes to be petty about things, but my hope is when he retires, Dustin is immediately into the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, Goldust, one of the uh, most iconic characters of the Attitude Era and one of the most impressive uh, long careers of a wrestler, I'd say. And a loyal Uh, uh, proponent of WWE's for many, many years. Many uh, that wraps it up for us in uh, looking at the career of Dustin Rhodes. I had a lot of fun. This was a good one. Yeah, I, I had a really, like, I again, I love these matches. You know, I don't think, aside from the maybe the Bunkhouse Buck one, which uh, was what it was, you know, there wasn't a stinker. No love for Bunkhouse there Buck. There wasn't a stinker here. These were good matches split up through through 25-odd years of wrestling. Like, that's... 
that's crazy, you know? It, that's the mark of a real good career. Yeah, it's the mark of a real good career. I love this episode. I love Dustin Rhodes. And, yeah, definitely go go check out some, some good old Gold Dust content, some good old Dustin Rhodes stuff. You can see him on AEW each week. You can you can see not maybe not each week now. You know who, who knows what they're doing, um, but you know definitely you know in in a time in the world where things are crazy, do yourself a favor, get some good quality entertainment with Dustin Rhodes because that's that's really what he provides for people is good wholesome entertainment. Whether it's the way he works, his character stuff, promo packages. Just go look at go look it all up, because honestly, that he's just so good, he's so entertaining, and he really will help pass the time. Speaking of good quality entertainment, where can the people find you on social media, Javier? Uh, the people can find me on Twitter at jmelo sports. That is J M E L O sports. Um, you can see my depression tweets on there, where I, you know, <laughs> maybe uh, when I'm bored, sometimes I, I watch sports stuff. I didn't. You know, I I just put I don't know what day of quarantine I'm in anymore, so I just I just put day blank of quarantine and then I just put some sort of nonsense. It's usually sports related. I haven't done one today. I'm gonna tweet it out after this. But like Follow along as Javier slowly loses his mind. I don't lose my mind. I've been playing a lot of NBA two K twenty. I miss basketball. <laughs> I really miss basketball. I'm sad. Uh can we just stop this now? I, I miss the NBA. We, we- I miss it too. Uh, you can follow the podcast at Crossbody of Work on Twitter. You can't follow me anymore. I mean, you can, but I can't tweet. <laughs> so I'll be working on getting a new Twitter account, hopefully by the time uh, this podcast drops. Uh, you can email the podcast at crossbodyofworkpod at gmail.com if you have ideas for uh, future episodes and people we should cover. Don't forget to give us a like. Give us a subscribe. Uh, we appreciate all of the, the listens we've had, all the downloads, but we want to hear from all of you. Uh, you know, Share us with your friends. People are probably starving for content and entertainment, so get them to watch along. Watch all these matches. Listen to us ramble about them. Uh, we're really glad that people are joining us on this journey, and we hope you'll continue. Uh, we got some, some bonus content hopefully coming for you guys soon, so keep tuned to that yeah and remember this is a five-star podcast this podcast definitely makes it to the tokyo dome brother so feel free to drop a five-star rating drop a comment drop it all on us we need it drop it all on us and with that we'll let you go for this week thanks for tuning in have a good one see you guys Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.